Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during this workshop, please press star than zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you so much, Glenda, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's program, Taking Your Pills on Schedule, Why It Is Important, Why It Is So Important in Managing Cancer. Now, today's program is a collaborative effort between Cancer Care and many other cancer organizations, and it really is because of that collaboration we've been able to reach so many of you on the call today, and your interest in the topic. It's, a very, it's an increasingly important topic, and one that I know you hear about, and we want to spend much more time on this call today and really addressing this topic. Um, we have on the call today over 439 participants on the call from all of the United States, from different parts of the United States, from rural areas, urban areas, suburban areas, so just all different parts of the United States. And um, we also have international participants from Canada, India, Singapore, Taiwan, and, and United Kingdom. So a bit of a global call as well. Um, today's program is supported by Pharmacyclics, Inc., and I really want to thank them for their support of today's program. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today. And I want to begin by introducing our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Michael Wong. Dr. Wong is Professor of Melanoma Medical Oncology, the University of Texas, and the Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Wong is going to begin by presenting just an overview of cancer treatments, definition of adherence or taking your pills on schedule, and its important role in treating cancer, managing treatment side effects, and pain. So although this talk could well be um, a whole-day talk, um, Dr. Wong will do this as an overview of beginnings that is setting the stage for today's program, and it's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Wong. Thank you very much, Carolyn. It's uh, indeed a pleasure and an honor to be able to participate in this program, and uh, I welcome all in line to a very important topic. And in the next uh, uh, six or seven minutes, I want to just go over why it's important uh, what do we mean by taking your pills on schedule and its impact on, on, on therapy and outcomes? Why is this important? It is important because uh, there has been a, a, uh, an outpouring of information from all the work we've done on figuring out the science and molecular biology behind cancer. And the end result of that is that we have discovered there are key things inside cancer cells which makes it cancerous. And oftentimes, uh, these, these molecules are, uh, are identified, and, and there's been a tremendous effort to find medicines that can target these. And sometimes the reason why this is, I'm telling you this is because sometimes you hear this called targeted therapy as well, in which we are taking oral medications or pills designed to really attack a specific molecular pathway, those pathways which convert something from benign to malignant. And this is why it's critical that uh, we are uh, taking these on schedule and on dose. And that, that really speaks to the definition, which in, in I have a practical def definition, which is adherence means that you're taking uh, uh, not just your cancer pills, but all your pills on, on dose, on schedule, in order to affect maximum effect against the cancer and to minimize toxicity. So it's a very practical definition. Now, why do I just say all your pills? Um, because sometimes we 
we prescribe a, a, a treatment uh, a plan in which there are pills that are given in sequence, for example. A, a good example is sometimes we use medicines that will, for instance, knock down any uh, sense of uh, stomach sickness or nausea uh, given in sequence before you take a, a cancer pill, which may give you uh, nausea and vomiting. And the reason why that's important is that you really do not want to to really throw up that critical uh, uh, cancer pill. So therefore, having taking things in sequence is important. So I, I just don't mean uh, uh, cancer pills, but all your pills in general. It's also important when we're doing this that you bring in the, uh, your, your pills to the doctor or at least have a list of them. Why? Because we are always looking at interaction between things, uh, something as simple as uh, uh, something for antacid may have a huge impact on uh, how your cancer therapy goes. So for me, adherence doesn't mean just taking your pills on, but being an active participant as well um, in what's going on. I'm not going to mention this because you have folks on the line who will be speaking in more detail about such things. An example of this, for instance, is uh, some pills require that your stomach has acid in order to dissolve the pill in order for it to have its maximum effect on the cancer. And if you're taking something which uh, reduces acid in the stomach, for instance, that might make the absorption of the medicine much more difficult, therefore lowering its efficacy. That's a, a specific example of that. So it's important to be able to share that information with the health care team. We, uh, on, a, on, a, uh, on a care end, uh, have, a, as you know, have a lot of paperwork which goes around this, but part of the reason for that is we want to be able to track and know exactly what our patients are on and allow the computer systems and our, and our, uh, and our teammates, such as the pharmacists and nurses, to be able to look at what you're taking and to sort of uh, uh, determine whether these things are working against each other. The, you know, there are things about um, these new pills which are very important. These are targeted therapies. They are, uh, they are taken in order, to, many of these are taken in order to target a very specific pathway. And, and, and because of that, the, the pills are as different as the pathway they, in, they are attacking. So if you have side effects from one cancer pill, uh, it is not necessarily true that you will have side effects from another one because oftentimes we switch strategies by, and switch uh, um, pills to attack different pathways. So many of my patients say, oh, no, I had such a great, difficult time with, uh, you know, uh, the, this first pill. The second pill might give the same problem, and, I'm, and it's important to realize that that's not necessarily true. Again, my, my colleagues on the line will elaborate on this. Another thing that's very, very important is that uh, we are increasingly going this way. It is now more and more and even more uh, uh, a part of the cancer paradigm, uh, again, reflecting the tremendous advances that we have done uh, in figuring out the science of this. So we are, uh, in many uh, cancers across the board, uh, uh, having a decrease or giving less and less intravenous therapy and more and more pill therapies. And that's why this is increasingly important. So we have talked about uh, 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 taking these pills but it's also important to understand you have to take these pills on dose and on time. And, um, you know, one of the reasons for that is that, uh, is that there's a tremendous effort that's gone on to understanding how these pills get into our bodies, how they get into our bloodstream, and what uh, concentrations they end up being at. 
And from that, we determine how often we should give medicines. And it's important that we actually have a schedule that you follow because one of the things doctors will do if you have a side effect or things aren't working to determine whether you're taking your pills on time. Why? Because you want to have the correct concentration, the right amount of, of drug in the bloodstream to impact the cancer. So those are very important critical factors. So in the last minute, I, I want to emphasize as well that uh, uh, oftentimes uh, uh, family members and folks will participate in helping loved ones take their pills. And again, uh, uh, that's an important part of the, of, uh, uh, of the cancer care paradigm. We encourage families to be part of the care team. But again, we, I, I encourage the, those members to share their experiences with the physician. An example is the fact that I had a patient one time uh, who wasn't responding to medicine and I found out that the the family member had very helpfully taken the pills out of the blister pack and put it into the, the calendar, you know, these little uh, plastic things that you have. It tells you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, the reason they did that is because their family member, father in this case, was, had difficulty opening up the blister pack. But there's a reason why it's in a really tough to open blister pack. It's because it's really sensitive to moisture and light. And so the helpfulness of that ends up uh, being counteractive. So that's another example of just making sure that the team members around a patient also participate in, uh, in, in describing and, 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 and telling the healthcare team, the doctors, physicians, pharmacists, what's really going on. I think that's my, my time, and I, uh, I'll be back at the Q&A, but, but I'll pass the, uh, the, 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 the uh, microphone back to the team. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Wang. That was really very informative and really wonderful and a great way to start the program off. And um, that whole thing about the blister pack, I don't know if many people realize that. So that was a very important um, takeaway for everybody. That, and uh, so much of what you said is so important. And our next speaker is Ms. Sharon Flynn. Ms. Flynn is an oncology nurse. She's a nurse educator, research and practice development, National Institutes of Health. And Ms. Flynn is going to address communicating with the healthcare team about adherence, clinical trials on adherence, and how research contributes to treatment options. It's really my pleasure now to turn this program over to Ms. Flynn. Thank you, Dr. Messner, for the opportunity to be on this call today. I would also like to take this opportunity to welcome all of our participants who are on the call. Whether you are a healthcare provider, a person living with cancer, or a caregiver of someone with cancer, you recognize the importance of taking your medications on schedule, and I applaud you for finding out more about this important topic. So you heard from Dr. Messner the three categories that I'm going to talk about today, and the first one, communicating with your healthcare team about adherence, can be broken up broadly into two kind of categories, personal or patient factors and treatment-related factors. So what are your feelings about your cancer? Do you believe that the medication or combination of medications is helping you? Hopefully the answer is yes, but sometimes the answer is no or I'm not sure. It can be very difficult to take multiple pills a day and even more difficult if you have questions about the goal of your treatment or how this treatment is helping you. If you have questions about your treatment, I encourage you to please talk to your healthcare provider. The next factor affecting your medication adherence includes other medical conditions you might have. For example, Dr. Wong was talking about um, other medical uh, uh, conditions where you have to take additional medications. Do you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or another condition that is not cancer? 
And does this condition require you to take even more medications? It can be quite challenging to juggle multiple medications from different groups of healthcare providers and even more challenging to create one medication schedule. To help combat this, I would encourage you to have a list of all the medications that you are taking, the dosages, and what time you take that medication. I find it helpful also to have a list of all of my healthcare providers, phone numbers on either a sheet of paper or on my cell phone um, in one location. And I send that to uh, um, other family members so they have those contact numbers. That way, if I need a medication refill, I know where to look. Or if I have a question, I, ha I know exactly where I can find that phone number. Next, are you physically able to get out of your chair or bed to get to your medications? Um, if you're in bed and have limited mobility, um, are your medications kept downstairs and you're mostly upstairs? If you have a hard time getting to your pills, you might be tempted to skip a dose. Think about the last time you wanted to watch a big event on TV. You had your favorite snack next to you. You had a cool drink of lemonade. Your pillows were fluffed. You had your favorite fuzzy blanket. And then you sat down in your most comfortable recliner chair. You pulled up your footrest, and then you realized the remote control was on the other side of the room. Ugh. What would happen if you couldn't get up and get to your remote control? What if you had to wait until someone wandered into that room or if someone had to come home from work before you could get to that remote? Now substitute that remote for medications. Making sure your medications are within easy reach should be a priority, especially with people with mobility issues. Next, let's talk about mental or emotional concerns. Are you depressed? Are you still in a state of shock from your cancer diagnosis? We know this can influence your medication schedule. You might be tempted to skip a dose because you feel that it doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you that you are worth fighting for and that it does matter. Please take your medications on schedule, and if, you have, if you're feeling depressed or if you're feeling anxious, please talk with your caregiver, talk with your health care team. There are things we can do to help you. Next, I'm going to move into the treatment-related factors influencing medication adherence. How complex is your treatment? Do you have to juggle five different pills um, and four different medications? Um, does the regimen require you to take one pill in the morning, one in the evening, um, or is it every six hours? Making sure you have a written copy of your treatment plan and a calendar before you leave your oncologist's office is important. Also make sure you have any emergency contact information for your healthcare provider. What would happen if uh, Saturday at 2 a.m. you had a question? There's always someone available to answer your questions. So make sure you have those phone numbers for weekends, holidays, and night shifts. Medication side effects. Does your cancer treatment medication cause nausea or another side effect? Do you have to take an anti-nausea pill to, con to counteract the side effect from the first pill? Please talk with your healthcare team about which side effects are manageable for you and which ones make you not want to take that anti-cancer medicine. Many times, as Dr. Wong said, there are alternatives to those medications in that same drug classification that can be prescribed for you. So 
So please don't hesitate to include your team in that discussion. And finally, how big are your pills? If you have a difficult time swallowing pills and you had to swallow four large pills a day, this may cause anxiety and reluctance to take the medication. Talk with your team, including your pharmacist, to see if there's a smaller pill available. Maybe two smaller pills would equal the one larger pill. Maybe you could break that one large pill in half, um, or maybe you could crush it and put it into applesauce or pudding. Now, before you do any of those things, please check with your oncologist and pharmacist to make sure that that is not affecting how that medication is working. Next, how can your caregivers and friends help you take your pills on time? Create a treatment calendar or a medication checklist. This is a great way to um, enlist uh, computer-savvy children, friends, caregivers, um, people in your community that ha have knocked on your door and want to help, it gives them a sense of purpose during your cancer treatment. I encourage all of my bone marrow transplant caregivers to add birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, maybe inspirational quotes to this calendar so that it makes it fun and gives um, our patients something to look forward to every week. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be legible. Next, establishing a routine um, helps you stick to your pills every day. Um, if it takes 30 days to establish a new habit, help your support system get through those first 30 days towards um, making that a habit. Um, we'll hear later in the presentation to plan ahead what to do if you're going on a long day trip or a vacation and ways to help you make sure that you have enough medication while you're away. The next topic is clinical trial adherence. Why is it so important that people on a clinical trial adhere to their medication schedule? When you're on a research study, we want to make sure that you are taking the pills on schedule, and we want to know, is it working? If you aren't honest with the pills that you're taking or if you miss um, a large percentage of your pills, we don't know if the, the treatment um, will work for other people. Um, and so this is a way um, for us to know, is the, are we prescribing the right dose? Is this the best way? Maybe we told you that you had to take it on an empty stomach, but you feel that you need to take food with it. Talk to your healthcare team before um, you stop taking any medications and let them know. Maybe a medication gives you heartburn at the nighttime and you, you prefer to take it earlier in the day, maybe at 5 p.m. instead of 9 p.m. Your team can help you sort through those issues so that you're taking your medication um, the best way possible for you. And how can research contribute to your treatment? Most oncology drugs were once a part of a clinical trial, and they were seeking FDA or the Food and Drug Administration approval. This means they had to go through many years of animal testing and cell testing in the laboratory before they were trialed in the first human. And then once that medication was given to humans, um, they had to make sure that they were getting the correct dose. They weren't getting too little or too much of that medication, and they had to make sure it was for the right type of cancer. Um, and all of that took time, and lots of fabulous volunteers um, with cancer helped us reach that conclusion. And then we compared this new medication to the current cancer treatment. 
So I think of um, having two boxers in a ring, and one is the new cancer treatment, and the other one is the current cancer treatment. And they go head-to-head before that medication is approved to make sure that the new treatment is better than what we currently have out there. And so clinical trials helps tell us what is the best medication and dose for that type of, um, of cancer. Clinical trials um, help us understand cancer biology, how the environment affects cancers, such as sun exposure and skin cancer. Clinical trials also tell us better ways to treat all types of cancers and to help our current cancer survivors live longer and fuller lives. Two resources that I I, um, encourage all of my patients to go to if they're looking for clinical trials or research studies on their cancer is cancer.gov. And then the other resource is clinicaltrials.gov. And um, we can discuss more of that during the uh, question and answer session. In summary, cancer treatment regimens can be very complex. Having a written schedule or calendar and establishing a medication routine can help you take your pills on schedule. And if you ever have a question, please contact any members of your healthcare team. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much, Ms. Lynn. That was really outstanding. Um, this is really um, what outstanding speakers. Um, I know all of them are going to be outstanding. Um, so both um, Dr. Wong and, and Ms. Lynn, outstanding and esteemed colleagues, thank you so much. Just uh, wonderful presentations. And our next speaker is Dr. Guadalupe Palos. Um, Dr. Palos is both, um, she's an, a nurse and a, a, a social worker and a doctor of public health. So she's her own healthcare team. Wonderful to have her on the call. She's a re- clinical research manager, Division of Medical Affairs, Department of Cancer Survivorship, the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Palos is going to address barriers to taking your pills, practical t- tips to overcome these barriers, and how family, partners, caregivers, and others may help planning ahead. And so it's my great pleasure to inform over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Palos. Good afternoon to all of our listeners, and thank you, Carolyn, for the opportunity to be involved in this call about taking pills on schedule. As Dr. Wong discussed, patients and their families face challenges in following schedules when dealing with such a complex disease, a disease that often requires different types of medications to manage symptoms, such as pain, or to even treat the disease itself, as Ms. Flynn mentioned earlier. The burden of following a medication schedule significantly increases when patients are prescribed other types of medicines to control chronic conditions such as hypertension, diabetes, arthritis, and et cetera. As Ms. Flynn reminded us, we as caregivers, patients, and providers must practice good communication to support patients in achieving optimal adherence when when prescribed medications, whether it's on a short-term or a long-term basis. In the next few moments, I will touch on strategies that patients and caregivers can use to be proactive in asking their healthcare team about their medications and how family and providers may help the patient in taking their medications. I'd like to share a story about a patient who is considered an extremely complex patient in our clinic, and perhaps there was even some discussion about the patient not being was being a bit non-adherent in following his pain medication plan. This gentleman was a 70, was 74 years old, diagnosed with kidney cancer. He had been on various clinical trials and was now receiving medications for pain and symptom management. 
It seemed that this um, patient was unable to experience relief from his severe pain despite our team's effort to provide effective pain management. In fact, we had presented his case twice at multidisciplinary grand rounds, changed his medications over time, and had numerous family conferences with his wife and some of his children. The team provided written instructions, diaries, and information on side effects. His local pharmacist had also gone over side effects to expect from the medications, interactions from medications for his diabetes and his hypertension and the pain, medic, uh, pain medications that he was on, reinforced the importance of the schedules, talked about the purposes of the medications. The social worker and case manager had collaborated to make sure his insurance would cover the medications being prescribed. And yet, despite all these efforts, he continued to say he had pain so bad it took his breath away. And his wife confirmed his report, saying that she had never seen him suffer so much. So in this scenario, it seems that all the factors that could potentially contribute to non-adherence or not taking the medications had been addressed. Factors such as patient-provider communication. We heard both of our speakers earlier talk about the importance of that. Financial barriers. And by the way, if that is a problem to any of our callers, I'd like to remind you that Dr. Messner from Cancer Care will discuss services in this area, um, so you may wish to contact Cancer Care after the call. There, we talked about concerns about side effects or interactions. Um, they address patient characteristics such as his age, his mental health, or cognitive. But wait a second, hold on. Did we truly assess the patient's characteristics and preferences? These are critical areas which often may be overlooked by providers, but important to patients and family members and may influence one's decision whether or not to take medications as scheduled or not at all. Now take a moment and ask yourself, have you ever encountered the type of challenges that we spoke about where maybe there wasn't uh, the, patient, the desired patient and provider communication, that maybe someone really wasn't helping with the financial barriers, or maybe there were some patient characteristics that perhaps hadn't even been addressed or hadn't been talked about. And if so, how did you deal with them? So perhaps those of you on our call who have successfully dealt with these types of examples may wish to share your tips with the audience during our question and answer period. So let's go back to our scenario. So what were some of the factors influencing this patient's ability to take his medication on schedule? Well, here's some history. The patient and his wife were empty nesters. Their family visited and when were available when they were called upon. So it was up to the patient and his family to say, we need you or come over. For the most part, the wife was the primary caregiver. She took care of the meals, provided personal hygiene care, planned the meals, managed his medication schedule. This pattern was based on the patient's preference. He wished to maintain his dignity and privacy while going through his cancer experience, and his family respected those wishes. But in meeting with the couple one day, it came to our attention that the patient never really truly read the papers give, being given to him, and it was the same for his wife. When asked about it, both forgot, reported that they forgot their glasses. And so we didn't really think much about that. However, after a while, the, you know, it just kept coming up that there just seemed to be something odd about when we handed a piece of paper, no one really read it. So after spending more time talking to the couple, they admitted that neither one of them could read. They had gone to school for only a few years and then had to go to work to help the families. They told us that not even their own children didn't know that they could not read. 
The wife opened up and began to tell us how confusing it was for her to keep track of all the medications and that she got them confused. Which ones were the ones for the pain? Which ones were the ones for constipation? Which were for his high blood pressure? And so on. And it was becoming more complex as additional medications were added. And she was unsure who to contact for refills and often waited until one of the children came by to ask them to, uh, ask them to help her refill the medication. The team was surprised to learn that these were the barriers. Even with all the coordinated efforts of all the healthcare team, no one had thought to really ask them about their ability to read. There is no doubt this barrier created several obstacles, especially when trying to organize and maintain a schedule for taking over four, eight, or ten pills a day. So a question many of you may have by now is how do we deal with these types of barriers and the others so we can follow medication plan? First, remember, it is truly important to follow the schedule, the dose, and the correct medication as prescribed. And there are different ways to keep track of the schedule, and our next speaker, Dr. Coons, will address strategies and systems that can be used to remind us of how to take the medication. But it's important also to talk about the lead time in refilling prescriptions, especially during travel, weekends, or holidays. It's, it's critically important to have some lead time whenever travel or special occasions may be pending. Travel can be a 40-mile drive to a family member's home for an afternoon visit or a five-hour flight for 10 days out of state. So here's a few tips for preparing. Keep a schedule of when refills are due. This is very important and helps minimize the risk of being in another state or country and running out of medications. Keep a small carry bag with all the medications either stored in a prescription container or in their original bottles, depending on the length of the trip and the route of transportation. Keep a small index card in the family member's wallet, as well as the patient's wallet, listening, that's listing all the medications, their dosage, time to be taken, and how to be taken. On the back of the index card, write down the names and contact information of the physicians or physicians prescribing the medication, the pharmacy, where the medications are obtained, and include emergency information for each provider and pharmacy. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, I don't want to do all that writing, but remind yourself, too, that sometimes having it on a cell phone or a laptop or an iPad, you might not have easy access to electricity, and your computer battery may run down. So it's good just to have something written, and if you put it on a small index card, it's handy to keep uh, um, and readily available. So the last and most important lesson learned is to maintain regular and open communication between the prescribing provider, the pharmacy, the caregivers, and the patient. Inform the team about the type of side effects the patient has been experiencing when taking certain medications or by interactions with other medications. Also, it's good to ask the pharmacist about the dangers related to taking multiple medications. Are they to be taken all at once? Some together, others later, or some to be taken alone, with food, without food. It really starts getting complicated. So if you can ask these questions ahead of time, it will help, and you won't be lost at, the, at that moment. I guess it's a live moment when you're trying to decide, do I take this with food or not take this with food? Remember, each individual is unique in their response to different medications. So the answer to these types of questions will be tailored to the need of the patient, the specific needs of the patient. So my colleagues and I look forward to hearing from you and the suggestions you may wish to share about this area of concern. Thank you for allowing me to share these thoughts with you. This concludes my remarks. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Palos. That was really um, outstanding and so many important tips. Um, and, you know, all these programs, I have to say to all of you, are 
um, on replay. So actually, you can listen to them as a podcast, or you can listen to them on telephone replay. Um, give it a day or two, and they'll be up. And um, they're well worth listening to over and over again because they're so much full of so much information. And so um, wonderful. Thank you so much. And our next speaker is Dr. Susanna Kuntz. Uh, Dr. Kuntz is a pharmacist. She is immediate past president, Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association, or HOPA, H-O-P-A. And she's principal of Kuntz Oncology Consulting, LLC. And Dr. Kuntz is going to be addressing the role of a pharmacist, reminders from your pharmacy and pharmacist, telephone, computer, and tablet reminders, including email, text, and apps, leave time in refilling prescriptions, weekends, travel, holidays, and special occasions. It's really my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Kuntz, my esteemed colleague. Well, thank you, Carolyn, for inviting me to participate in today's teleconference with the esteemed panel of colleagues and for allowing me to share some of my knowledge with the call participants. Um, I'm going to first start with the role of the pharmacist, uh, just so everyone has a basic understanding of what we do and how we provide services to cancer patients. Uh, we like to affectionately refer to ourselves as the medication experts. Um, we have specialized education and training pertaining to medications and drugs, and that's what we believe makes us the experts regarding um, the treatments for cancer. Um, we work in a variety of settings, including hospitals and clinics, as well as retail, retail stores in the community setting. And pharmacists, you know, we're involved in the care of cancer patients at all phases of treatment. Uh, from the time that patients are diagnosed um, at all points throughout their treatment, including the management of symptoms and providing supportive care along the way. And then finally, once patients are um, cured, we also assist with survivorship programs following the completion of their treatment. Uh, some of our key responsibilities uh, include assisting and selecting the most appropriate therapy for a patient. So once we um, have the information that's available to the healthcare team, we actively participate in selecting a particular drug regimen or how those drugs should be dosed in a particular patient. Um, as you've heard, we watch for potential drug-drug uh, interactions, so we want to avoid those um, at all, if at all possible. We monitor patients for how well they are tolerating their therapy, and along the way, we may make some minor adjustments to the medication regimen or the schedule based on side effects and lab values that come back. Uh, we are responsible for educating patients and caregivers and also the healthcare team on all their medications throughout the care and how best to take them. We will work with social workers and case managers to ensure that you have the access to the medications that you need. And we do realize that some of the medications that are now becoming available to patients have quite a hefty price tag. So we will work with um, financial planners in the hospital and, again, case managers to make sure that patients can afford their medications and have the access to the care that they need. And then the other thing that we'll do is we answer questions relating to medications. So, again, we like to consider ourselves the medication experts, and we love having people come and talk to us about their medications. Um, hopefully you've had a chance to interact with your pharmacist recently and know who they are should you have a question or need their help along the way. The next area I'll move into is some of the reminders that are available to assist you in making sure that you adhere to your medications as we intend for them to be taken. 
Um, there are a variety of medication adherence aids and devices available. And since no two patients are alike, the device or aid that works best for one patient may not work so well for another patient. So don't be afraid to try something. You don't like it. It doesn't work for you. And making a switch to another device or aid because you may find something that works better along the way if you try something different. So really it's just going to come down to what your needs are as a patient and your caregiver's needs as well as what your personal preference is. So I'll go over just a few examples. Like I said, there's many that are available, and it seems like they um, become available um, as time, you know, evolves. But one of the traditional ways is calendars, and you've heard a little bit about that already today. Um, that can just be paper and pencil when um, charting out how you should be taking your medications at a specified day of the week or time of that day. Or more people now are moving to their tablets and their smartphones where they pull up calendars and they enter the information into their smartphone or tablet device and that they refer to often. There are phone call services. Some people like the traditional phone call. So you can uh, um, engage with a service that will actually notify you when it's time to take your next dose of medication, and that works well for some of those people who might be homebound and they are relying on those phone calls to come in. Uh, pill boxes. A lot of us have seen these pill boxes, and maybe some of us have even used them before, where you have little compartments. Um, some are small enough that it has seven compartments, one for each day of the week, and some are quite large where there might actually be 28 different compartments where you have each day of the week and you have four designated times throughout each day to take your medication. So these are little plastic containers that people like to have available to them, and they'll set these things up once a week, and then they're ready to go for the remainder of the week and taking their medication. As we heard Dr. Long mention, there are blister packs. Um, there are uh, some services that will actually pre-dose everything into these blister packs, and all you have to do is take out the pack and open it and take your medication at a designated time. Uh, newer technology includes medication alert watches. These are watches that are worn on the wrist that can beep or vibrate when it's time to take a dose of medication. So you can upload the information into a computer or a tablet. It, it sends a signal to the watch, and it lets the watch know when the next dose is due for you. And as I mentioned, the watch will either vibrate or uh, beep to alert you it's time to take the medication. Um, some are digital and they're very advanced and you can actually have the instructions on how to take that medication scroll across the screen of that watch as you, uh, it's time for you to take your next dose of medication. Uh, there are smart pill containers. These are, uh, they look like pill bottles and they have these interesting caps on them. The caps can have alarm systems in them where they'll beep when it's time to take your next dose of medication. And then what's increasingly popular is mobile technology apps. Um, and this is a growing area indeed. I just read an article recently that there's probably over 500 apps now available through a variety of platforms, namely, you know, um, Android and um, iTunes. Uh, some of these apps are free, and they're just you just download them to your phone. Um, some are quite simple where they have a way for you to enter the information of your schedule for the medication, 
and then it will alert you um, with a, you know, a text message or an email that it's time for you to go ahead and take your medication. Some are a little bit more advanced. You can actually share the information with a caregiver or a loved one. They can actually help you, remind you that it's time to take your medication. Some also allow you to enter information about how you were feeling at the time that you took your medication and how you reacted when you took it. You know, did you take it and then 20 minutes later have some upset stomach? You can go back and enter that information. Um, again, as I mentioned, there's probably over 500 apps, so I really can't recommend one over another one. It's really what's going to work for you, your family, and your caregiver. Then the last um, area that I will go into is um, refilling your prescription, uh, particularly at weekends and travel. Maybe it's a special occasion or you're going on an extended vacation. Um, everyone is busy, uh, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and U.S. patients. So it's really important to try to allow for some extra time to ensure that no one is rushed and that medications are accurately filled. So if you know you're going on a vacation in two weeks, it's better to start early with the planning and the communication rather than trying to wait a day or two before you're ready to leave town. So I think a good rule of thumb is allowing for at least five to seven days to make sure that your healthcare team is aware you're leaving town as well as your pharmacist. So I like to have my patients make a list of their medications, as it's been mentioned, whether that's a small index card or you write it down in a diary or keep it on, you know, your, your smartphone. And you should note when your refills are due. And you can look at the prescription bottle where it will tell you when the refill is due and how many refills you have left. If you notice that you're out of refills, then this is the time to start making phone calls to your healthcare provider to say, you know, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. I only have two more weeks of my medication. Can you go ahead and call in a refill so it can be ready for me before I leave? Um, before you um, leave for any trip in which you may run out of your medication, you may be able to have what's called a vacation override or a vacation supply. So you'll need to contact your pharmacy, and they can work with your insurance company to see if that's an option for you. So sometimes your medication may have an insurance restriction, and they won't allow it to be filled early, maybe just one or two days early. Sometimes the medications might have restrictions from your healthcare team. So, for example, pain medications. Your doctor may not want you filling your pain medication prescription far too early. So these are something that you have to discuss with your healthcare team. Sometimes if you know you're going out of town, too, you may be able to take a prescription. You have your healthcare provider write you a prescription and have it ready for you when you're out of town if you're going away for an extended period of time. Um, what I like to have my patients do is when they are going out of town, trying to find a local pharmacy that they know is going to be in the area around where they're staying. So maybe you are, live in St. Louis, Missouri, and you're going to go take a family vacation to the Grand Canyon. Look for those pharmacies in that area that might be able to provide refills on your prescription, especially if you have your prescription filled at a national retail outlet. Maybe it's Walgreens maybe it's CVS, look for a Walgreens or CVS in that area because it should be pretty easy to transfer your prescription that way. It's the same computer system. Um, and then sometimes the pharmacy may be able to ship you your medication while you're on vacation. 
So they may not be able to fill it early. Just ask them. They may be able to ship it if you provide them an address. Maybe you're going away, you know, a family member is getting ready to have a baby and you're going to go help out for two months and be away. Well, that um, family member, you know, might be able to receive that prescription for you at their home. A day or two before you leave vacation, go and pick up your refills at the pharmacy. As Mid mentioned, have a list of all your medications and instructions. It's best to have it on paper as well as electronically in case something happens to one device or another. Have the contact information for your healthcare provider in case they need to get in touch with someone. Also have your insurance card and that information handy. Uh, going out of town, it may be a situation where you have to have that insurance override. So having that information is going to be helpful to the pharmacist. And then, of course, if you need paper prescriptions that are written, then have those available and ready as well. Um, a few travel tips, as has been mentioned previously, keep your essential medications with you at all times. So don't check them into your suitcases because, as we know, unfortunately, suitcases can get lost or misdirected. Um, also, be mindful of leaving your medications in parked cars. Again, you're going to that Grand Canyon. You might be outside. It's the middle of July, and your car is parked on an asphalt parking lot for six to eight hours in the sun. That could be very damaging to your medication. So just be mindful of how you're keeping your medications on vacation. Um, also, know your regulations when you're flying. It may be best to keep the medications in their original bottle to assist with proving what the product is. And I encourage you to always update or to keep update um, checks with the TSA and what their rules and regulations are. And then I do tell patients, take a few extra days with you. Unfortunately, sometimes you might run into delays in returning home. Flights get canceled. So you may have enough to get you through that, you know, Sunday afternoon when you're flying home your flight's canceled, and now you've got to stay over, and you won't be coming home until Monday. So I say take at least a day or two, if not maybe even two or three days extra along the way in case you are delayed in returning home. And with that, I'll turn that back, uh, the program back over to Carolyn. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Kuntz. That was very wonderful and very informative. I'm going to say a few words just about the services you can access from Cancer Care, and I want to take your questions. So please um, prepare yourself by asking questions. Um, and um, or making comments about things that work for you. So Cancer Care is a national organization, and we provide a number of services that could be very helpful to you um, as you, in terms of this particular today's topic. Um, we do offer practical and financial assistance, and for many of you, the cost of your medications, the cost of your care is quite um, overwhelming. So we do have a copay foundation, and we do offer financial assistance to people, so that is something to be aware of. We don't want people skipping their pills because they don't have enough money thinking they can just extend their taking their pills because they just can't afford them. We want you to work with um, with our staff and with, and with your healthcare team to make it very clear that you do need help with the cost of your, um, of your medication and your care. And there's a lot of programs out there, many more than you might think, um, to assist you. We also offer counseling services, a chance to speak with one of our oncology social workers. And um, what does that mean? It's a chance to talk with someone about your concerns, your questions. We also have support groups. We do support groups on the telephone, and we have about 120 online support groups on, for caregivers, for people living with cancer, and for all specific types of cancer. And many of you prefer those online groups because, well, for some, some of you both in the U.S. and internationally, you can post any time of the day or night. 
So nighttime often is a time when people are up and they want to be in touch or, or communicating with someone, and that's a wonderful vehicle to use. Um, and we also have these educational workshops, and we have lots of publications. So kind of soup and nuts, you can kind of get almost a lot of different things here. And um, basically, you can simply call our 800 number or visit our website. And all that information is going to be sent to you with our evaluation form about all the resources that have been mentioned during the call today and other ones as well. So with that being said, I want to now open the lines for questions. I'm going to ask um, Glenda if she would please explain to how to queue up for questions, or if any of you want to make a comment about the tips, I think as Dr. Apollo said, any tips that you might have in terms of how you've handled um, you know, the topic of just taking your pills on schedule. So, um, uh, Glenda? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then one on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. And again, ladies and gentlemen, to ask a question, please press star then one. And we have a, a tip actually from one of our online participants, so I'm going to uh, let you all hear this tip. Here's my tip. I put my medicine at places I use to go to every day, like my coffee maker next to my toothbrush and clip to the refrigerator so I remember. It's a wonderful tip. And Dr. Apollos, do you want to comment on that? I think uh, having reminders, I think that's an excellent um, tip that you shared with us. Thank you so much. And having little reminders like that, I, I believe all of our speakers mentioned somewhere uh, in their discussion how important it is to have taking your medication schedule as part of a part of your routine life, and that is certainly a routine. You know, going to your coffee pot maker and um, you know seeing the note there. It, that's an excellent reminder. Other than putting it right in the front of the mirror when you go brush your teeth, I guess that would be another way. But thank you so much. That was an excellent tip. And then um, I have another question, and this would be for um, another online question um, for. Um, well, for Dr. Kuntz, I don't remember to t get my refills on time. The pharmacy calls, but I'm so busy, I don't always have time to go right away, and I forget. Is there an, any easier way? So, although the pharmacy does call, still. Mm -hmm. And and we we all have busy lives, and I can understand how that um, can be. I, I know um, myself, sometimes my husband forgets and I have to go pick it up. So I would um, see if you have the opportunity to enlist a caregiver uh, or another member of your family or a neighbor maybe that could, um, if they're running to the store at a particular day of the week or time. Uh, some people, if it's what we call a maintenance medication or a medication for a, a chronic condition, find it's easier just to have a mail order uh, set up. So the a prescription is given and, you know, 90 days of medication is sent directly to the house. So those are just some of the tips that I, I have as well to help you, you know, with reminding of, of picking things up. Um, or, you know, it might just also just making it a, a routine. Um, if you know, like, you know, on Sundays that you go to church trying to pick up your prescriptions after church on Sunday, if that's something that you regularly do as well. Excellent. Thank you. And um, so here's a very honest question. I'm going to um, ask Ms. Flynn if you can address this question. I work during the day. My husband will not take medicine unless I am there to bug him about it. I often find them in the trash. I love him dearly, but I'm not sure what to do. 
we may all want to weigh in on this one, but if you'd like to start with it, this one. Sure. What a challenge, right? You set everything out, you know, leave the schedule, um, put your husband in charge, and then um, uh, for whatever reason, he's not taking his pills during the day when you're not there. And I would ask him if there's a reason um, why he's not doing that. Um, does he think that the pills aren't working for him? Um, is there something about the taste of the pills? Um, something that could be changed to make it um, work better for him um, is one uh, approach. And another one is I would have um, a, a treat maybe nearby. Um, I know sometimes we use this for children that have to take medicine that isn't quite palatable. Um, is there a piece of hard candy he could have afterwards or some, some snack that he likes as kind of a reward for taking that medication? Um, and uh, finally, if he could have, uh, if you have a neighbor or a friend um, stopping by, um, rotating that um, so that it's not one person stopping by every day, um, but to check in and see where where he is on taking those medications, um, and and just having someone else encourage him too. Um, a, this is where you can tap into your variety of um, community members to help help him kind of get past this hurdle in his treatment plan. Excellent. Thank you. Um, anyone else want to weigh in on that? Can I just say one thing? It's yes, Dr. yes, Long. please. Uh, you know, uh, as one of the only guy on this on this call, you know, there's a tremendous <laughs> loss of control when you go from being healthy to sick. And sometimes these can be can be, you know, I, I always say nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "Yahoo, I'm going to see Dr. Wong at MD Anderson Cancer Center." Right? <laughs> it, it's a tremendous change in someone who's been well before and suddenly is sick. Um, so there are things to work through, and they, and they, they impact on many, many fronts. Uh, you know, uh, the, you know the, a man who used to be the caregiver, a man who used to be the strong one, is now dependent. There are a lot of things, and, and uh, I, I'm many on the call can speak more to it than I can, but I've seen it over and over again where, uh, in a, in a, especially in a culture that's particularly macho, uh, uh, this poor gentleman is, is unfortunately now you know, lost his primary position and a sense of identity as well, and they identify that with, with pills. This is obviously, you could speak for hours on this topic, but I want to point out sometimes uh, the fix is not mechanical, but much more difficult. Excellent point. Excellent point. Thank you. Um, and it is true sometimes, and I would recommend that um, um, that you actually that um, the person struggling with this, go ahead and call cancer care, that caregiver. Um, go ahead and call and and speak with one of our social workers as well, and also speak with your healthcare team about this because I think that this is these are complicated issues, and um, so we can recommend some things, but it really does have to be customized a little bit more detailed. And I think, as Dr. Wong has pointed out, there are many more issues here that may make it hard um, for um, for your husband to take his medication. Um, so thank you. Excellent. Um, and we now have a telephone question as well. Um, Glenda? Thank you. And our question comes from the line of Victor D. Your line is not open. Hi. Uh, my question is, uh, when you're on a schedule and you're taking uh, your cancer drugs, uh, let's say at 5 o'clock every night, uh, but then you travel to a different time zone, um, when do you stay on schedule at five, or do you adapt it? Let's say you go from California to New York. There's a three-hour change. 
how would you recommend uh, we take our pills? Oh, that's an excellent question, Victor. Dr. Wong, could you address that? That's always coming up for people. Sure. The there's. I, it had to do with length that you're there. If you're only going for a short trip, and uh, many of the uh, road warriors, you know, they, they, they're gone for, you know, 48 hours or less, they, they will not synchronize to the new place. But you find you have to, you are going, say, to Hawaii, you're there for a whole 10 days a week on vacation, and you're going to change your body over, then, and your sleep pattern over, and your eat pattern over, then that's the thing. And the reason for that is because we have natural circadian rhythms in our body. Uh, your, for instance, your cortisol, testosterone rises in the morning, comes down later on. There are other things that happen. There's a huge literature on circadian rhythms and drug metabolism. Sometimes I switch people to evening doses so that side effects happen when they're asleep. So, uh, so yes, discuss it with your doctors, but in general, if you are making a switch over to the new time zone, uh, I tell uh, uh, individuals, you know, okay, don't stack your doses, skip the next one, and then go right to the new time zone if you're going to be there for a while. For, war- for people going on business, road warriors, you're there, 48 hours, you're back. Um, you yourself are not going to synchronize yourself to it, and so I would not synchronize uh, uh, your, uh, your uh, dosage pattern and schedule. Okay, excellent. And I think we have another question. Is that right, Glenda? Yes, and our next question comes from the line of Michelle P. Your line is now open. Yes, hi. When my prescription calls for it to be taken three times a day, um, about how many hours should I allow for between the doses? Sometimes I sleep later in the mornings than other days. That's a good question. That's an excellent question. One probably that people, because everyone isn't uh, exactly on the same schedule all the time, um, uh, 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 Dr. Kwok Wong, do you want to address that as well? Can I, so again, it's one of those that depends questions. And for instance, there are examples like uh, in the old days when you, before we had patches, we used to take nitroglycerin. We actually deliberately wanted people to take it three times during the waking hours and leave the nighttime alone because sometimes you get resistant. It's called tachyphylaxis. You get resistant to the drug if you take it all the time. That's a, you know, in in general, depends on the medication that that were that 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 of concern. So I hate to be so general, but it really does depend on that sometimes. That's a good question for your healthcare team. And Dr. Pelos, do you want to comment as well on uh, these issues that really have other components to them as well? And just it's, it's a struggle for people to kind of adapt because your life isn't always on schedule all the time. It's, it's well, that's true. I mean, I mean, um, I mean, sleeping late, but then some people work different schedules, especially like evening schedules and things of that nature. So I think the idea, I think the idea of having triggers and having reminders is very helpful and will help give you that routine and that sense of control that you have. You know, some people, it's not medication like taking your vitamin any longer. When you get into the world of cancer and you have other chronic diseases, you really, it's, a, it's a whole different mindset that you have to, I think, have to train our, you know, yourself into. And part of that is, all right, it's not just the usual vitamins or an aspirin that I would take. This is now, um, it's become a, a a very much more complex or more um, challenging way that I need to think. So I need to maybe, you know, some people like to make games out of it, but where you end up making some type of schedule for yourself, making it a routine for yourself. So that example about, you know, where 
when you're going to take it instead of three times a day. Well, if you're getting up from, you know, look at the 24 hours divided by that. No one's up 24 hours the way they schedule it. So if you're up 12 hours, then look at that and see, can how would I divide this three, you know, what are the hours if I have to take it three times? And your pharmacist, you know, pharmacists are wonderful friends. They can really help you fine-tune all of this. You can, again, start making schedules for yourself. And it may be complicated at the beginning and burdensome at the beginning, but in the long run, you're going to, it's going to be a win-win situation for the family, for the patient, and, you know, and the quality of life for everyone. So I would really recommend that, you know, having a mindset of how you, a, a change in the mindset of how you're going to start scheduling your medications and how different it is from how it used to be before when you, maybe you just took a regular little vitamin or something like that. That's an excellent point, and I think as part of your healthcare team is everyone on this call, actually part of the healthcare team, but your you know, your pharmacist, your oncology nurse, your um your obviously your physician, your healthcare team, they're all very important. And, and Dr. Concerns have comment about the pharmacist availability because they really are there's some offices some pharmacies that are really open all the time, where they are open many hours, and they're often very good with uh, interactions of medications and things like that, as is your healthcare team. But could you just comment on that? Because people often are taking more than one medication. Sure, and and I think it's really important to kind of have a uh, you know tune up of your medications anytime you make a change, making sure that your healthcare team knows of a change, uh, particularly if you know you're being seen as you know by a cancer specialist like Dr. Wong, but you also maybe have uh, you know rheumatoid arthritis, and so you're being seen by a rheumatologist. You want to make sure everyone's working together. So anytime a medication change is made, you need to alert people accordingly. And the pharmacist can step in. So if you know, you have your prescriptions filled in a community setting, maybe it's a Walgreens, a CVS, you know, Sam's Club, some national chain, then they, they, a lot of those uh, pharmacists are available, you know, clearly Monday through Friday during normal business hours, even into, you know, 9, 10 o'clock in the evening. And there are some pharmacies that are available or open 24 hours, so that pharmacist is, is available to you. Um, if you are in a clinic, um, hopefully you have a pharmacist that is um, there in the clinic working with your healthcare team, checking in with that individual is helpful as well. So I encourage you, the next time you make a visit to your doctors, if you don't know your pharmacist by name, please ask for them now so that you can have access to a medication expert for when these questions come up. Excellent. And, and Dr. Wong, do you want any last comment you want to make before we conclude the call? Oh no, I, I I'm not going to add to this. It's well said. I think the the themes that comes out over and over again is invo- is communication involving folks uh, in your healthcare team, your family, uh, the pharmacist. There are lots of resources that we have on the oncology office side. If only you uh, if, if you give us any hint that you would like to engage with us, that you know, oftentimes we can just bring everything to bear on the problem. So communication is the key to 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 this whole thing. Well, that's a wonderful note to conclude on. We really, that is so important. And um, and you can see all these different disciplines that can all help in different ways working together. Um, I did say, and I know there are some questions that we still have not gotten to, so I just want to give you all resources to contact. So, indeed, um, I want to first of all thank our speakers. They've been phenomenal. This has been an amazing call. We could go on all afternoon and into the evening, I think. We have so many so many things we could talk about. And we also, um, I want to thank all of you who have asked such great questions, both online and on the telephone, and all of you who have been listening. 
Now, for those of you who still have medical questions, of course, your healthcare team is, of course, they know you the best and they know all about you. But I know many of you like to get other resources for your for information. And of course, I always recommend the National Cancer Institute. Number site that you can visit as well. And the nice thing about their website is that it actually has a um, a wonderful uh, live chat feature, so that you can actually. Um, well, you, you can actually pose a question, and that's good for both people in the U.S. and internationally, and the information specialist will then get you information. And that's information you can bring back to your treating healthcare team. Also can help you ask more informed questions. Um, I also, of, of course, um, uh, for those of you who may have other needs like practical or financial assistance or counseling needs, I would recommend that you go ahead and contact um, Cancer Care. Um, both at our toll-free number and website, and our staff are happy to be of help to you around any of those practical financial concerns or counseling needs that you may have. As we conclude the program today, I don't want any of you to feel you're alone. You're now part of our community of support, and we're here to help you. And uh, please do actually um, feel free to, um, uh, to contact um, our staff here um, when you're feeling alone or feeling like you have questions or concerns, and, of course, um, your healthcare team as well. Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today on this really a phenomenal call, and I want to wish you a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.